I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're listening to the Grow Landscapers podcast. The podcast where we delve deeper into landscape business, interviewing legends of the UK landscaping industry. So, join host Nick Ruddle as he explores their thoughts, insights and experiences. That's here on the Grow Landscapers podcast. Hi and welcome to the Grow Landscapers podcast. I'm Nick Ruddle and today we're here with arguably the most successful landscaper in the UK. Uh, Mr. Mark Gregory from Landform Consultants. How are you doing? I'm very well, Nick, and I'm uh, really happy to join you. And I've, I've made the cut, I've made the podcast, so I'm happy to be talking to you. Yeah, you're, you're amongst great names, as you know. Um, so if there's anyone in the landscaping industry who hasn't heard of you, then all they need to do really is look you up on Wikipedia. So you're obviously famous because you've got to be fairly famous to get onto Wikipedia. <laughs> so just to take a little um, quote from um, your entry on Wikipedia, you've been involved with 99 gardens at the Royal, uh, at the Royal um, Chelsea Flower Show, uh, a total of 160 show gardens for the RHS, making you the most meddled garden builder of all time within the RHS. How does that sound? Sounds good. It's out of date, actually. It's, 100, it's 107 gardens at Chelsea. Wow. But, uh, yeah, it, it is. And, and growing. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's something I'm really proud of. And where did that time go? You know, it yeah, flies yeah. by scary, isn't it? But um, wow. So even more than uh, the 99. So you've broken your century. Unbelievable. So um, let's get cracking then. Um, how long have you been in the industry? Uh, well, I'm 62, uh, and I've been in the industry even before I left school. So I came into uh, into horticulture at 16. So I left school in 76. I did two years in commercial horticulture, working for a family company on heated glass, five acres of heated glass. And uh, I was quite happy. I, you know, I had my beer vouchers and my motorbike and finding girls and stuff like that. <laughs> it was my father who just kept on to me to go to college. In the end, I kind of did it just to shut him up. So I left uh, home at seven, 17, 18. I did an NCH at uh, Lancashire College of Agriculture. Then I, I did a three-year diploma at Askham Bryan. And so I'm, I'm qualified up to the ND, National Diploma of Horticulture with a landscape option so yeah a long time been a long time it is a long time yeah so uh, so it's just your dad it's, we got, you got your dad to thank then for uh, kicking you up the bum and getting you out yeah there. yeah so basically but i come from two generations of market gardeners um my father grew up on a commercial market garden and uh, but all his brothers uh, just during the war years post-war years became builders bricklayers Mm. Uh, and they were making big money in post, post-war post development of Britain uh, up in the north, the Yorkshire. And he became a bricklayer. And so I came along and he was running a nursery in the evening, but working so hard uh, as, a, as a bricklayer. He built his own house. I, I was surrounded by that. 
But my father was a frustrated gardener, uh, probably one of the best gardeners I've ever met, actually. And untrained, mm. but just had a natural touch for growing. Loved it, passionate, mm. almost obsessive, actually. So I grew up with him building uh, on building sites and construction, but him knowing. And I wanted to become a builder, actually. Um, but I, I surrounded myself by kind of the gardening side, and it was a no-brainer. Um, at, when I was at school, I applied for an apprenticeship scheme at Savile Gardens, uh, which might have been a change, but I was, I was out of my comfort zone. I came out of London in a little crimpling suit, never been out of Yorkshire, and, and there was a chap called John Bond who interviewed me at Windsor, slaughtered me, actually completely slaughtered me. It didn't put me at rest. I was like a gibbering wreck. I wanted it so badly, but I just couldn't convey it and uh, didn't get the gig, didn't get, and that was my first major knockback. Um, interestingly, I subsequently employed two people that were on that course. And, um, and a long time, John Bond was a very, very famous uh, keeper of the gardens of the Queen, very famous in the annals of, of history. He was judging one of my gardens at Hampton Court many years ago, and he said, this is a stunning piece of work. And I actually couldn't resist. I said, it's not bad for a kid who, who couldn't make the who couldn't, couldn't make the grade. And what I took from that, actually, seriously to this day, is when I get young, young kids into my office for interview, I just relax and talk about football, talk about motorbikes, talk mm. about anything but work, actually. Mm. Mm. Because uh, I learned that day, you know, he was in this intimidating office with his, his tweed jacket and his tight, tight, and his badges on. And I was just like, yeah, I was just... Yeah. Uh, so now, so I still, I still remember that very, very much. So yeah, it didn't, didn't put you off then, did it? So your, your, your background then, obviously construction and horticulture. So it's, it's a natural fit, uh, sort of inevitable that you'd go into, well, take the route you did. So why did you go into business yourself? Well, it's interesting. So, so what happened? This is, this is, this is how it happened. So you know, people look at me and say, "Well, he's a construction. He understands construction." Yes, I do. But I love plants, and I trained at Wisley. Mm. Uh, I did a year of, of my industrial placement at Wisley, and I just soaked up horticulture, pure horticulture. And I do believe that's that's a thing that people don't understand. Building gardens, building landscape, you need to understand all the component parts. So the pure horticulture is stood me in great stead. Uh, I, I was in my dorm at Askham Bryan doing my third year, and this guy who was on a HND course read out a letter, it was a Dear John letter, basically from a company down in Twickenham saying, look, you know, thanks for your application, but, you know, the job would suit more of an OND position, it's a junior management, we're building this, we're doing that, we're doing this, we're doing that. So I was literally listening, doors were open, and he was reading this letter out to a, a guy in the corridor, so I went and I said, hey, give us that letter. And I was doing the course that this guy wanted. So I, I phoned him. I said, is this job still there? He said, yeah. So I went down and got that job, actually. And that's the only job, apart from the two years after school, it's the only job I've ever had. Wow. And that was for a company called Squires, uh, who, are, who are still a very successful family-owned retail of garden centres. Started in 1935 as landscapers, uh, a small landscape section, uh, uh, and I went as assistant landscape contracts manager. That was in 1982. I've got to be honest, I came out of college, didn't really know my ass from the elbow, um, but I had a lot of enthusiasm. I went there and they had a landscape department servicing the garden centres, bits of patios, bits of fence repairs, pretty bland landscaping. Uh, and the manager left after six months and I was 21, nearly 22. And I thought, if I don't step up here, I'm going to get sidelined. Mm. So uh, I, I said to Colin Squire, I said, look, can, you know, I, can, I can do this. You know, give me a job kind of thing. Mm. And he let me run this business. So we had, at that time, we had eight staff. I was 21 and I was just left to my own devices. And I treat that business like my own business. And before long, you know, I remember the conversation to say, you know, it was we were doing 250,000 sales at that time in 1982. And I said to Colin Squire, I said, when I get this business to a million, you know, I, I, I'm going to be, I'll be leaving. <laughs> Seriously. And, and before I knew it, I had so much passion and drive and commitment to it that before I knew it, we had 30 men. We were doing a million sales 
I started courting, I started jumping out of the box of the, the residential garden center market and started doing things like, for, started courting the garden design heroes of the time, your, your Robin Williams, your David Stevens, your, your John Brooks and people like that. And I, I went from Twickenham, I went to Mayfair. And before I knew it, I was doing really big contracts. Mm. Even at the time, two, three, four hundred thousand pounds of, of business. Wow. And I was completely out of my depth, <laughs> utterly out of my depth. I remember going to Colin Squire and said, Colin, look, I haven't got a clue what I'm doing. It feels right, but I've got no business training. I don't know my numbers. Uh, I'm not running a sweet shop anymore. Mm. I was buying grab lorries and cars and hiring guys. And in the end, the, re the only reason I left is because I got no direction from Colin Squire. I got no direction. We never fell out, but I got fed up with people saying, God, why, why are you not doing this for yourself? Mm. And, and as far as I was concerned, if, if they'd have packaged the right deal, I genuinely, I can honestly say I would still be there, actually. Mm. Good job they didn't. I love, I love the family. I love the business. Uh, but I just wasn't getting the support. I wasn't getting the investment in me that I needed. So I set off in 1980. Well, I, I set the business up in 88. We didn't start trading until April, April 89. Uh, and I didn't sabotage the business. I didn't take loads of staff. I took one job, actually, which was a Robin Williams scheme. And I said to Colin, look, Colin, this is, I'll give him, give him two or three months notice. I said, I'd like to do this job, if that's okay. And we did it and we're, we're still really, really good friends actually. So, um, but that's, that's principally how it went. And, and the ironic thing about it is in April 89, um, and my first garden at Chelsea was that year in May. Literally. So I hit the ground running with about six guys and, and this garden came from nowhere. So literally in April, I knew nothing about building at Chelsea. And four weeks later, here I was building at Chelsea. Right. It wasn't a garden. It was a, a garden for Robin Williams and it was a promotion garden or a, it was a promotion stand to promote Gateshead Garden Festival. And uh, Robin Williams being a fantastic designer, Robin Williams Senior, sadly uh, deceased now, but it was an amazing uh, guy. Knew his construction inside and out, former contractor, amazing designer. And he built this thing or designed this thing that was brickwork and construction. And we didn't really know. We built it. And there's pictures of me, you know, on Main Avenue circa 1989. And, and the rest is history, basically. But that was that was the year I started at Chelsea. And I've been there every year since. So, really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's amazing, you know, your enthusiasm, the passion, the drive that you've got and and putting yourself out there, getting out of your comfort zone. You know, obviously, that they're, they're great traits for everyone to have. And anyone listening to this show now, you know, you've got to have that. Haven't you? You've got to be really passionate and driven and, and, and really want to make make something and, and, and get on with it. Get Put yourself out there, get out of your comfort zone, um, because then you're going to improve and, and grow yourself. And you, you find your own opportunities then, don't you? you make your own luck. I spend most of my life, Nick, out of my comfort zone, and I, I am doggedly determined. I think initially I was so, not ashamed, but I remember, I remember being called a gardener and feeling really affronted by that. It was almost like a put down. Yeah. Maybe I had a chip on my shoulder. Mm. Maybe I wanted to be seen, you know, people call about the word elite and uh, are there bad things. To me, elitism and being the top of your game is where I've always wanted to be. Mm. Not, and, I've, I, I, and the people who listen to this are people who are interested in developing their businesses. But there's a lot of people who just want to rip people off, who just want to pull the industry down. And I thought the only way I can get out of this or get away from this is to do the most mind-bending, complex pieces of work mm. to put myself away from this pack of crap below me. You know, and I, I, I have often been quoted in the press as calling this a tramp's trade. You know, everybody gets the tools out of their dad's shed and they call themselves a landscape gardener, the landscapers, you know. Mm -hmm. And it, it's unregulated, it's, it's it, it, in parts very unprofessional, and I've done my utmost, sometimes at penalties, to get away from this kind of moray of, uh, of low, low, uh, low, low, you know, the, the, the benchmark sits so, so low.
Um, and that's what I've always done, actually. And I, I, I think, you know, I was, I'm still driven now. But my God, when I was 28, I was, I was really up for it. You know, I was yeah. really, really, really up for it. I think if you're going to succeed in this business, it's not, it's, you know, I mean, I'm very, very lucky to have found this because I genuinely, honestly, I leap out of bed. Yeah. Uh, my, my wife is amazed that I get up at half four sometimes and I'm, I'm up for it. Mm. And, and I haven't lost any of that. It's amazing. Uh, At 62 years old, it's just in your blood, isn't it? It's just well, living and breathing. It's, it's in my blood. So, you know, we're an early morning industry. You've got to get out and leave from the front. And I'm, I'm really, really driven by that. And, you know, and I think actually it's, it, it, the money is too hard to earn uh, if you're not going to give it your absolutely everything. Yeah. You know, just really, really digging deep. And, it, you know, believe me, I, I, it's not all been, people think I've got the Midas touch. And uh, as we'll probably come to, it's not all, it's not always been great for me, mm. but I'm, I will never give up. I would doggedly, doggedly just go and, you know, also, you know, that my standards are so high that I will not accept anything that I'm not happy with. Yeah. So even if it's costing me money, I put my foot through something and say, guys, it's not, it's not good enough. It's not yeah. good enough. So I, my, my kind of standard bar is set very high yeah. and that helps us achieve what we want to do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the people that come in the industry trying to sort of undercut everyone, you know, are, are dropping those standards. And, and, and that's not fair on the end user, is it? They get ripped off. And, uh, no, and, they get ripped off. And, you know, exactly. And I think as an industry, we need to highlight these, these sharp practices. Mm. I've, never, I've never done that. I've never wanted to do that. Mm. Uh, and, you know, sometimes it's painful to lose work and you put a lot of effort and time, but it's ultimately the right thing. You cannot drop your standards. For, no. for anything no no it's your reputation it's everything you stand for isn't it really so um so thinking of land landform consultants um yeah. when you started that what year did you start that well this this well obviously i hit an iceberg for, with a company called landmark in in 2003 mm. uh so this business was started in 2003 yeah, yeah. so what did that look like then when you started how many people what was what did the office look like how many vehicles what kind of jobs did you do all those kind of things i mean what did it look like I, th I think before I answer that, Nick, I think I've just kind of thrown a, a grenade in and said, look, I had a, I had a, a problem with the business. Mm. And I think I, I can't really go forward until I explain what happened to that business. Because in, in, I had this, this company called Land, Landmark Design and Build, and I also set up a company called Landmark Gardens. So I had two, two trading companies. And uh, I had a sleeping partner, an ex-client, a Goldman Sachs high hitter, because I thought that was the right thing to do to grow my business, to get somebody who can understand finance, put systems in for me, developing. Ultimately, it was a complete disaster. Mm. He was working on, he's a very hyper clever guy, but he was working on a different, a different scale. And it just wasn't right for me and the business. So that was in the background. Mm. But basically, we were trading big. We'd won the Grand Award twice. The business was a fantastic, reputable business. And... We, we were doing 7 million turnover back in just around 2000. We took on a job uh, and ultimately all this stuff, it's easy to blame anybody, but ultimately you can only blame yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I took this job on, which was a, 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 a not a nice guy. Turned out he was a professional knocker of companies and stitched me right up, really, actually. Um Completely stitched me up. So I lost about 400,000 on that, stopped paying me, and I just got myself really in a pickle. Mm. And um, painful time, a really, really painful time, because the business is a great business, probably underfinanced, under probably trading on its, on its toes, didn't really have the experience. I didn't have the experience to run a business of that size. And ultimately, I, I, was, I was at first at a cross, crossroads, I had 100,000 unsecured overdraft, which we never, ever used. Mm. You know, I pay that. My house was, you know, it, was, it wasn't so good against my house. And what the hell do I do? What the hell do I do? If I, I can trade out of this, but guess what? I've got a, a sleeping partner that's not working who owns 30% of the business. Mm. And I, I was faced with some really tough calls. I had some really, really black, black weeks. Mm. But basically, I knew I was going to hit an iceberg in May. In May 2003, I knew I was going to hit it. And the reason I was going to hit it was the VAT quarter and the tax quarter was due in September. And there were big numbers. And the, uh, the money was drying out. 
Mm. So literally, and I was locked on to an iceberg that I could see. This didn't come, you know, this did. So so we packed a lifeboat, we appointed a, a liquidator, and I imploded that business. Mm. For the right reasons, it's painful. Uh, go to a credit, three people turned up at a credit meeting, which basically says the way that we professionally did it. Uh, we paid all our small subcontractors. We made packs and deals with people because you can't just pay everybody mm. uh, and then knock off the big PLC. So it was a very tough time for us. Mm. But basically what I did is I kept the purest parts of, of Landmark and the best staff. Uh, sadly, I couldn't keep everybody. Uh, and then we started. And interestingly, what had happened, this is a, a business a, a, a kind of thing, so even to this day, um, my maintenance company, which is Landform uh, Maintenance Limited, so I trade as two separate limited companies, and my maintenance company buys all the capital equipment, the trucks, all the mowers, the diggers, all the kit that we have, and we've probably got about half a million pounds, probably more, of capital equipment, and then we, 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 we throw it back. And, and that was the same back in that day. And I remember going to my liquidators meeting and saying, hey, you know, you know, all your capital equipment we can't touch because it's with another company. And I said, well, you know, that if you look, when that was set up, that was three years previous to this. The intention wasn't to rip anybody off. But, you know, in hindsight, that was a really good business lesson to, to learn. And we still adopt that because no matter how good you are, you know, you get professional non-players, you get, it's a very volatile mm. uh, business. And our maintenance business is very, very stable. It trades very, very evenly, and, and that's how we run it internally now. So, I mean, various companies have holding companies, but we have two, two limited company, trading companies. And, uh, I mean, that's just a lesson, lesson to learn, not, not put all your eggs in one basket. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I learned a lot of valuable business lessons. I mean, Rolls-Royce went bust. Simon Cowell went bust. Yeah. It's not necessarily a, a, a horrible thing, but because I was a very high-profile company, you know, Horticulture Week, everybody wanted to, and my, my God, it was like a big ripple in the pond. Have you heard about Mark Gregory? He's gone bust. Mm. And it was painful, and it was really painful. I never changed my phone numbers. A couple of people that felt wronged came in and uh, had some really interesting conversations and uh, some of those people that were, were wronged, I lost, said, look, stick 10% on the bills, we go forward. You know, this has happened. I was up front. Didn't, I didn't run away and hide and stick my head in the sand. Yeah. I fronted it. I faced up to it. You know, so people who, who know me well know that's actually true. And, I, and I'm, my, my ethics, my honorability are very, very, uh, are really what I stand for. Yeah. And you cannot run it. It's all right talking to the press when things are good, but when you when things go wrong, no, I don't want to talk to you. I had to talk to them. And I actually remember saying to this chap called Matthew Appleby, who's got a reputation for being a bit of a sensational. I said, and he said, look, I've heard you've got problems. Would you talk to me? I said, yeah, I'll talk to you. I said, but if you misprint me, I'll fucking break your neck. Seriously. <laughs> you, you tell it as I'm going to tell you. Yeah. And I actually genuinely meant it. I'm not a violent person at all. But I said, this is, I'm really bruised here. Yeah. I'm really, I've just lost everything. Yeah. And in fairness to him, he printed it word for word, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So from then on, we, we started, we were, it was really surreal. So 2000 and, uh, 2003, 2004, started trading. No, 2003, actually. Yeah, 2003, September 2003, with this pure, this pure little company. I had no phone ringing. I had no salespeople phoning me. I had no distractions. I had nothing going on. I had no barley, no APL, nothing. It was just pure. And we built this garden uh, for Luciana, and the pictures on my boardroom, and it was it was a, an exemplar of how to build a job, because we just focused on it. Mm. We had no distractions. Just get our heads down. Mm. Yeah, we've fallen off our bike, bruised our knees, and uh, we got back on and. And, and to this day, that's probably one of the most iconic gardens I've ever built and certainly one of the most profitable. You know, we cleared a lot of money yeah. uh, because we were focused and we, wanted, we were hungry to get back. And so two years, I couldn't become a Bali member. Two years, I couldn't be APL. You know, I didn't do any judging. I got, I, I got the certain people dissed me mm. uh, and the certain people who phoned me up and say, hey, Mark, you know, you're a good guy. What do you need? You know, what, what help, help do you need? 
So kind of learned a lot about myself, my strengths, and, and uh, I knew that I needed to be a lot sharper running the business. Hmm. Uh, and I don't think there was, there was like the services that you're offering now, Nick, I don't think back then there was specific right. for, for landscapers. Hmm. And, uh, you know, we've had some interesting, you know, uh, times since, and, and they're gradually getting better. You know, they've been getting better for years, actually, for me. But, but I, I can't tell you that story without saying, you know, how I fell off the bike, really. Yeah. Well, look, I think, I, think, I, think, I think anyone, anyone who's ever made anything, like, really big, you know, like Richard Branson's, Alan Sugar's, anyone who you can think who's been successful, most of them have either very close to being bust or, 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 or gone bust. And people just think that, the successful people, it's just like an overnight success. But most people have got all the, the scars to prove it, haven't they, really? I've got loads of, I've got loads of scars. Yeah. I've got loads of scars. But what I haven't got the scars of is ripping people off or doing substandard work. Yeah, I've done work at a loss to me because I just we've messed up the quotes or underestimated it or just been naive into the outputs and, and were too desperate to be busy or too desperate to be working. You know, so I've done I've done those mistakes. I have I have literally made some mistakes, a lot of mistakes. I could write a book on mistakes. <laughs> the question is not to make the same mistake twice. Yeah, absolutely. You, you fail know. your way to success, don't you? That's the expression. Fail yeah. your way to success because you know you've yeah. got to you've got to do something. It doesn't always go right, but as long as you learn from those mistakes and don't repeat them, like you say, then um, there, then you're going to go in the right direction. There was a very famous president. I forget which American president it was. It says a man who hasn't made a mistake is a man who hasn't tried. Yeah. You know, the bottom line is, you know, I, I've, I've, I've grabbed over the tiger's tail on many schemes and I've I'm, I'm been punching way above my weight. But I believe in myself and I believe in my ability mm. and I believe in, in, uh, in, in, in how to talk to people and get things done. And, you know, it's interesting. It's even right up to date. People around me say, like, what? You know, the Tower of London as a job. You know, why did you take that on? It's massively risk. But I, but I'm 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 good at managing risk, yeah. and my my job now in the business is analysing risk. Is what I do. Mm. Is I look I, I look for that minefield. I look for those icebergs. So, um, what are the biggest mistakes you've made, or or what are the biggest lessons that you've learned? Would you say, Mark? I, I think you know, looking back to the early years, and I think those early years are fundamental. You know, you want to play with the big boys. You want that piece of shiny kit. You want to possibly run before you can walk. And I would say that's the probably most dangerous time. When you're tiny and you've just got you and a, and a lad, you can probably trade through tough times. It's, it's, it's making those transitions to having an office, to several crews and managing it and managing time. I think actually that's the most dangerous time for smaller businesses. Um, you, I find that you know you're working on your own. You're very, very lonely. You don't necessarily know exactly, possibly what you're doing. I think one of the issues for me when I started out, I had lots of artisans' technical skills, but nobody taught told me about money. Nobody prepared me to, um, you know, to 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 trade to basically the art of doing business, and it is an art, and it takes time. Mm. Thankfully for me, a lot of my early mistakes were done when I worked for Squires. And I didn't intentionally, and I think I made them more money than I lost them money, but I certainly made mistakes. Mm. And nowadays, we're, we've trodden that world path. And if we're, if we're making mistakes now, it's pretty bad that we're making the same mistakes. But, you know, I think the bottom line is, you know, when you're, when you're trading, you're possibly over-trading, uh, you're not managing your cash, um, you know, you, you are, you, you, you're spending money because you need equipment, you need vans, you need tools. So everything's working against you, but you are learning and, and you are learning the art of doing business. Mm -hmm. So um, I suppose for me, um, did we make some horrendous mistakes? We did. I think we, we never did bad work, but we undervalued or what we did. We didn't necessarily understand the market and what the market would ch uh, charge. We didn't understand our limitations. And I think that's, we were pretty gung-ho. We, we thought we could cancel, con conquer the world, which in some way is a really good attitude to have. Yeah. 
Mm. If you're an entrepreneur and you're you're out and you're doing it and you're you're happy to do the job, but you really need to understand the art of doing business, mm. you know. And obviously, there's people like yourselves offering mentoring. And I think that's a no-brainer. And if I was doing all again, that's what I would have. Mm. I would get somebody to hold my hand and talk me through the steps and help me write a business plan and help me understand the numbers and 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 do them. And I think you know my time at the APL was putting like the the uh, business improvement schemes in 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 place mm. and and working on your business you know working on on that and on that and I still see it now I still see guys who don't manage the VAT don't manage the tax it's not your money don't spend it you know and and get themselves in a pickle massive pickle mm. um because you know they, they, they are good at what they do but not yeah. necessarily good at running a business it's so t- two totally different things, aren't they? Because just because you're a great landscape or a great builder or a great any business, um, it's the operational stuff that is so different. There's a whole different set of skills to go from running a business and building a landscaping project. They're two totally different things. But and that's that's part of the reason why we've set this up. This whole podcast is because we're learning from people that run great landscaping businesses, not just really good at what they do, but actually run profitable businesses. And it's picking the brains of people like yourself to understand what those things are, what are the most important things they need to know so that they they, they don't go bust and, and you know, trip, trip up along the way. I, I think, I think, you know, leaving money on a client's table mm-hmm. or whatever, it's a commercial project or a residential people. I, I, I hate the thought of ripping anybody off. Yeah. You basically, I think you need to have a no fear approach of talking about money, understanding money. And anybody who says, well, it's not about that. It's about, no, it's not. It's about running that business. That business needs to make money. You need to retain profit. You need to be profitable and you need to power that money back into your business. Yeah. So anybody who thinks kind of, and I think it's a naive way of looking at it, that it's not about the money. It's not that important. will not be around. No, will we'll, be no we'll business. Pay will be no business. So I think if in my mind, it's, it's, it's a very, you know, our, our business, uh, our, our kind of core business, we make our money in this office. The guys on site don't particularly lose money. It's we lose money in the office, the way we buy, the way we procure, the way we estimate, yeah. the way we understand our, and the way we manage our money. And uh, I remember a long time ago, 25 years ago, I heard some designers, I heard a conversation and, and it, it was some garden designers that were talking about, it was then Landmark. And they said, well, Landmark's great, but you know, they are very, uh, they're very contractual. And I thought, you know what? That's probably the best compliment you could pay me, actually. Because literally, it is, there's nothing wrong. And I see uh, the contractors, they fall for the same banana skin every time. Oh, while you're here, can you just do that? Can you, yeah, okay, we're all getting on well. They're putting the bill, the variations. My perfect contract will have no variations, no extras. It mm. causes more grief than it is. But yeah. now uh, we basically, we've learned the art of doing business. We have learned the art, and it is an art, actually. Mm. It's a whole t- set of skills. And I would say to anybody, understand. And if you can't, get on board. And the thing is, it's a lot easier now than it ever was when I started out. Yeah. Sold out. Well, you've, you've got, you've got people like, you know, the associations and you've got all these little meetings and cluster group meetings yeah. where you're getting involved with a lot of contractors who are drinking beer and talking about day works and talking about stuff. You mm. have to fully engage. Mm. Uh, and I have all the time. I've, I've learned from my peers. I've watched what's going on. I pay a lot of attention even now actually what's going on around me and who's doing what and you know all that stuff and and i think actually you know if you want to grow if you don't want to grow then don't worry about it but if you want to grow a successful business i think you need to completely fully engage in that industry and 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 take a bit take a bit from people like yourselves employ somebody like yourselves to to help you you know surround yourself by good accountants people that what what just say yesterday, but we'll kick back at you and say, well, what are you doing? You know, Absolutely. And, and you need help. You need help. And there's nothing that I and I think possibly why people re- look at me is because I'm one of those guys. Mm-hmm. I'm a I'm a guy who you know I understand my technical landscaping, but do I understand 
or did I understand spreadsheets and profit and loss? No, I didn't. Mm. It frightened me. I wasn't really interested. Yeah. You learn. But, but it's, it's probably the most important thing we do yeah. as a business now. Yeah. Understand our numbers and understand the money and, and, and not be frightened to engage with clients about money. Yeah. So, 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 so along those lines, then, what, what would your top three tips be then? Um, if you could suggest um, ways to improve efficiencies or the profits of a business, what three tips would you would you give? Bloody hell. That's for a friend question. It really is. That really is. <laughs> yeah, that's hit you. Yeah, that's caught you off guard. Well, you know, I think, I think, I think. Sure, you know the answer. It's, well, I don't know the answer, but all I, all I can do is I'll talk around it and hopefully get to the answer. Yeah. If you take a Chelsea Flower Show, you take Chelsea Flower Show as a perfect contract. Mm. If you look at it from a contractual point of view, you've basically got a fully focused team. You've got a client who really wants that medal. You've got a designer who, who really wants the accolades. And you've got 18 days to build that, that exemplar. No messing about, no changes, no, no downtime. We'll get to that. And that might be that's been delayed. And, and all the things that cost you money. And if you look at that, and we make money at Chelsea. We don't do it for ego. We make money and it's part mm. of our business model. Mm. So on, on, a, on a good year, we can do half a million of sales at Chelsea. This mm. year is probably about 360 on sales. But we plan for it. You plan for it. You plan, you plan, you plan, and you deliver. After. And there's, there's no there's no machines running over, or there's no death by kind of variations and all that stuff. It's the perfect contract. Yeah. So, yeah. so for me, you know, going, what can I take into my business is, you know, planning phase to make sure you're, you're, you're really planning well, that you're not bullied into starting or pricing it in a haste. So it starts for me in the planning phase. If you if you get somebody and we all get it, price, 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 I need it back next week, next week, next week. No, 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 no. If you haven't got time to price it, walk away from it. If you've got time to price it and you need more time, ask for more time. Mm. But pl- price it properly. Mm. So I would say is the planning phase. Get the planning phase right and then buy well. You know, make sure that you, you procure it well. Yeah. And then no, make right. sure, obviously. Make sure you've got the right guys at the right time to do the right project. And we've all done it. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's feast of famine in our business, uh, our landscaping generally. One minute you've got no work, next minute you're yeah. absolutely uh, besieged with work. You know, so and I, th- I think as you get older, you say, yeah, I've been there, done that, got that. Now I don't need that stress in my life, you know. And you could be a little bit more choosy. Mm. But I think, you know, I think... I think by doing things at haste is where, 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 what costs you money. And actually, I, I mentioned earlier a term, manage the risk. So mm. if I'm looking at a piece of work, for instance, it's a hole, it's an on clay, and it's, it's, got, it's going to happen in winter. Guess what? Guess what? It's not going to be potentially very, very good for us. <laughs> so, um, you know, if it's, if it's the access is really bad mm. and it's unclear or the soil mm. types. Mm. So I would look at, uh, I look at the access of a project and I'll look, sure, we can build anything. As a company, I'm not put off by technical challenges. Mm. I'm put off by risk, you know, and, 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 and I get a flavour of the, of the clients or the, or the rapport the client's giving me, the, the signals they're giving me. And I think it's better to be a busy, to, to, uh, to, rather than be a busy fool to, to, to you know, have another day in bed and walk away, be prepared to walk away mm. and, and listen, to your, listen to your gut instincts. Yeah, dodge a bullet. Listen, listen to those gut, those signs. Mm. You know, when I go to a, a building site and there's builders on there, I will actually go and ask and talk to the plumbers or the, you know, what's it like? You know, you get a feel. You get a feel for the cleanliness of the site, the way that it's been, or- been organised. Um, the way that it's been organised, and 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 you get the people will share information. Oh yeah, the you know fucking class are right, Wayne Kerry. You didn't pay the bills. <laughs> yeah, you, oh, the no, 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 no. Yeah. you 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 can save yourself a lot of headache by doing a bit of due diligence, mm. very discreetly. So I would say, be careful what you take on, uh, and 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 go into eyes wide open. I know that's probably more than three answers, yeah. but I think people can pick out what they want from that, but. I, I do believe, you know, as I said, I manage risk in our business. Yeah. That is principally my job. And I look at all the work. And people say, you physically go and look at all the work. Yeah, I do, actually. Mm-hmm. I do. Why do I do it? Because I think I'm better than a lot of people in my business for seeing that. 
I can see logistics. I, I, I know craneage. I can see politics. I can see technical skills. I can see various things very quickly. Mm. And, you know, my, my estimate is probably, in my opinion, more important to me, is, is the most important person in my business, actually. M more important than me. He's the guy who, who, who keeps the, all the, the cogs working. And for him to be out of the office on the road, my time is better. It's better managing for, for me. So that's what I. That's that's how we manage that side. Yeah, it's like investments, isn't it? Any investor, you know, you, you manage the, the downside. It's risk management, really, because as long as you're not losing and you, you're winning, then you don't want to be taking too many losses, do you? Heavy losses, because yeah. they're, they're the things that can bring you down. No, and I think also, you know, I think as you get older and you get more experience, you you can you can be realistic on your outputs and what to charge. Yeah. And, you know, avoid getting into a situation where you're getting bullied or driven down by clients or designers, actually. And, and designers will, will, will do that because they've got no necessary concept of cost. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think, um, but I, I'm a great, you know, if I was starting out again, I'd, I'd surround myself by a lot of information. I wouldn't go on the forums particularly, but I would go, I would engage to uh, the trade bodies, the cluster groups, the business forums for like-minded people. Yeah. That's what I would definitely do. Feel for everything. So I've got a couple of other questions before we um, head off. But um, the, the, the penultimate one is, uh, what advice would you give to someone who's a bit stuck at the moment in their business, got to a sort of plateau, wants to expand, but don't really know what those steps are to take? What would you say to them? Well, that, that's really interesting. So what I would look at, I would look at people in my area that I respect. I would look at those businesses uh, and it sounds an ironic thing, but I would either stalk them or I would really look at them. Or in, in my case, I get people who phone me up um, and, and say, can I come and talk to you? Can I, can I just, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm stuck. I'm, I have a problem. Mm. And, and I'll say, look, I can't see you this month because I'm flat out of Chelsea, but I'll, I'll have a coffee with you. Yeah. And, and what I find that, you know, um, and I know various people like people like Ken White, uh, Frosters, lots of different people that are really high hitters who will do that, mm. who will basically mentor smaller companies. Mm. Um, and, and so I, I'm not expecting everybody to pick up the phone and say, hey, Mark, can I book a slot? But the bottom line is, I think reach out. I think join your local cluster groups. Yeah. Go to the APL or the Bali cluster groups and, and, and drill into it. Yeah. And I find that if, you, if you're open and giving back, you can glean a lot of information. You yeah. can get yeah, a lot of information. Yeah. And as I said to you earlier, Nick, I'm, I, 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 I've often given a lot of information because I don't care if somebody wants to emulate us. It's you know they'll do it differently. There's lots of different ways to to run a successful business, mm. uh, but I'm always learning, and I've got a first for improving ourselves. I don't feel that we've achieved where we need to be. Mm. That's probably the difference. I'm you know I'm I'm like a lot of the people you mentioned earlier, Paul Downers. You you know they're hungry to improve um, profitability, mm. um, you know their lifestyles, uh, work on their you know their exiting plans and things like that. So yeah, it, it's 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 a full time. But actually, I, I regard running business like a game. It's a mm. game. It's a, it's just a great game. And and I think if you look at it like that, mm. then it's very easy to beat yourself up. And uh, we've all had horrendous days where it's raining, you're losing money, mm. guys bringing in the van smashed up. We've all had those days. Mm. But if you look through that, I actually think it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a state of mind. And I see, you know, I'm, I'm blessed. I never lose sleep ever. I never lose sleep about anything I take on. Yeah. I sleep like a, a horse. I just help. <laughs> and and if I if I was wake up in the night worried. That's the time when I would really have to critically look at what I'm doing. You know, I think you've got to enjoy it. You've got to work on it. Um, I think I think it's all about upping your professional appeal from your marketing to where you look, the way you're, you present yourself. Oh, perception. The whole perception, but also always be, um, I, I mean, for me, I surround myself by young, brighter people than me. So that's kind of my game plan. Yeah, good. Uh, yeah, yeah. Anybody who's, I'm not threatened by taking somebody who's a, a lot sharper than I am. Mm. I never have been, actually. And, you know, I, and I think that's a good thing to do. 
you know it's a common theme with a lot of the, the people we had on the show already is to employ people that are better than you in certain areas obviously well, if you get involved then sometimes you can make things worse you let it you know, stick stick to what you're good at. I mean, you know, I, I, can I do a certain amount of accounting to a degree? But actually, I employ good people. Yeah, yeah. I employ yeah. good people. people. That enjoy I mean, it. People that are better. They're, they're, they're doing better than me. Yeah, yeah. I stick. I stick. So I stick to what my, what my core strengths are is yeah. is logistics, looking at looking at angles, looking at looking at the angle to do a job. That's what I'm good at. Yeah, play everyone and, to their strengths. Yeah, absolutely. Including yourself, isn't it? Including yourself. And, you know, the thing is, uh, and I think if you do that, and I know lots of landscapers who try to do their own accounts and bog themselves down and all that stuff. Can't do it on your own, can you? Shouldn't do it on your own. No, so you need to surround yourself by a team of people that will will package things up and give you in bite-sized helping hands, you know? Yeah, and it's it's getting the right people because, you know, if you trust the wrong people, then that's dangerous as well. So you've got to make sure you have got the right advice and the right skills with the right people on the bus because otherwise you you probably wish you you did do it. I mean, mean, there's an adage there, don't assume anything. Don't assume anything. You know, like we all see our landscape, we all see these gypsies who are reputing to do this amazing work and stealing other people's images. And so, you know, don't don't be taken in. And and I would say is that you're putting a lot of time and investment and your family's time and money into your company. And I think actually do the research. So if you're finding accountant, interview several people yeah, yeah. and see if there's a synergy there. See, see how you can uh, uh, work and uh, people buy from people. And uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I've been blessed by maybe it's good luck or maybe it's a bit of due diligence, but I've, I've got a really, really good team around supporting our business. Mm. I've got an accountant that purely works on strategic level to the board and I've got a day-to-day accountant who's great on the numbers but what give me the big, the big, the the big global picture, mm. and and I, I, you know, but I I I love being on the journey, yeah. You know? yeah. I genuinely, I absolutely love being on the journey, and sometimes you've just got to accept that some days are going to be crap. Yeah, you know, exactly. and that's just it's, it's not always one smooth journey, is it? It's uh, you're going to get a few bumps in the road, and, and that's 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 life, that's business, isn't it? It is absolutely. So, so Mark, um, I've got one final question for you. And it, it, if if there was just one golden nugget, one piece of advice that you could give anyone trying to build their business from all of your years of being ex- in business and all your experience, all your ups and downs, all your um, everything you've learned, what would that one thing be? I want to. I want to give you half a dozen. Actually, <laughs> I really, really do. But if you can uh, give me half a dozen in in one minute, I'll let you have that. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. So never drop your standards. Ever, ever drop your standards. Brilliant. Always m- maintain your ethics and professionalism. Never lose your drive or your passion. And, and if you haven't got passion, employ somebody who can give that passion. Because passion is 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 in, is uh, is is uh, effective in mm. in sales. Mm. And then learn the things that you need to learn. I would say, I, in my case, it's the financials. It's the, it's it's the process. You know, it's putting the process in. Brilliant. Well, I could speak to you all day, and I'm sure people could listen to you all day as well. But unfortunately. Um, we can't speak all day, but maybe we'll get you back again another time um, at a later date. But look, if if, um, if anyone would like to get in touch with you, obviously we don't want people inundating you with your diary be full of people asking you to pick your brains. But yeah. if, if there's any way people can get in touch with you for, for either projects going forward or if they do really need to pick your, pick your brains, what yeah. would be the best way? Well, I mean, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm on Instagram, so it's Mark Gregory Landscapers. You can send me a message on there. Yeah. Uh, my email's on my on my company website. Um, you know, I, I will answer as many things, but obviously you appreciate that it's things are so busy. It's so, so busy. And the thing is, the other thing I would say is don't, you know, and, and I hear all the time landscapers are, are not getting back on sales inquiries. This get so busy. They're not calling people. And it, it, I really worry when I can't get back to, you know, return calls. So mm. if somebody's calling me and trying to get some advice and I'm not responding because I'm buried, yeah. you know, I mean, the, the adage is if you want something done, ask a busy man. Um, <laughs> I am really busy. This this last year is incredibly busy. But if I can help in a way, then, yeah, sure, email me. 
and I'll give you a bullet, you know, some 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 bullets, but I haven't got time to write your chapter and verse, sadly. No, I no, no, no. I, no. I, 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 one of the things I, I'd love to be remembered for is, is a guy who set the boy high, who, who, who was a, a, you know, had his ethics in the right place, but also helped other people and yeah. actually helped the next generation. And I think that's really important, actually. Yeah, amazing. You know, and that's, that, well, that's what I try to do when I'm my time at the APL. I, I was APL chair for seven years. And yeah. what I put in there was this kind of community where younger landscapes could reach out to the yeah. likes of me yeah. and say, you know, and I've seen things that I shouldn't have seen, not sharp practice, but naivety. And if I could have helped somebody lose a load of nights of no sleep and, 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 and worry, then I, I feel duty bound to do that. You know, I genuinely do. Yeah. Well, uh, this is, this is a, a, a platform that will obviously, you, they, they'll hear your voice and hear your advice and, and hopefully um, take that advice on board and not make the same mistakes. If we can avoid the mistakes and, you know, from, from someone else's previous mistakes, then obviously we've done our job. But, yeah, um, every day is a school day. And absolutely. Every, every single day is a school day. For us, for everybody who, who are pushing boundaries and trying to do a better job within the industry, every day you're learning. Yeah. Which is, which is one of the good things that we love about it, because you never get bored. It's yeah. always something to test you, you know. Yeah, the dangerous day is if, uh, you know, the day you think you've cracked it. That's, that's the dangerous part of, uh, of business. Believe me, I haven't cracked it. I haven't <laughs> cracked. I, you've cracked. never heard me say I've cracked what I'm doing. I'm really on top of the pile. I, I work really, really hard uh, to get this business into a, a position where it is. Mm. But it's so, it's so tough to keep there. And, you know, and, I, and I, what I see, what I see underneath me, is a lot of young talent. I see a lot of companies coming into this industry that have got their 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 stall set out properly, and I've seen that. There's a lot of change. I think there's yeah. a lot of you know, and hopefully people you know look towards our companies and people like us mm. and get inspired to get to that next level. You know, and, and and good on them. You know, good on them. There's enough. There's enough scope for good contractors, for good people, for good landscapers. There's tons of. Great opportunities. And one of the good things, and I'll shut up, is after post-pandemic, it's probably one, one industry that has really, really done very well out of this horrible situation. Every chairman, CEO are all stuck at home, and the opportunities to grow our businesses over the next few years, and there's going to be some tough trading, but we've got more opportunities than a lot of industries, you know? We're set, we're set in a good position. Absolutely. Well, look, if, uh, if Mark Gregory is still learning, then everyone needs to keep learning so mark it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today um really 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 appreciate your time and all the effort you've you've put into to this podcast and i know that people are going to really greatly appreciate it so a massive thank you from me um really appreciate your time you're welcome thanks nick thank you cheers mark speak to you soon bye bye thanks for listening to the grow landscapers podcast to get in touch and see how we can help you with your business by emailing nick at nickruddle.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.